It is great to be able to gather together and to uh, serve one another and love one another and to fellowship, have community. It's why we uh, do what we do on Sunday mornings, to gather and to encourage one another and to sit under the word and to worship together and to also just serve one another. I mean, there's lots of opportunities to serve, whether it is uh, simply being willing to say hello to everybody that's here, if it is uh, helping to have the coffee shop or to, to set the atmosphere. We all enjoy the nice atmosphere, but there are people who come in and clean to keep the atmosphere looking nice for us. It's all volunteer. We have our uh, children's kid, uh, workers downstairs who uh, volunteer to minister to our kids, both uh, Spark, Fire, and Beacon, and to teach them in the Word and to pour into them. They put a lot of hours and time into that, and they volunteer there, and they serve our family. And then uh, there's our worship team who gets together and practices and stays up on their, on their um, instruments and their skills to be able to, uh, to worship and to lead us into the fellowship. There's uh, the teachers who study and prepare Sunday morning lessons for Sunday school for the adults and do that. I mean, so there's, there's a lot of ways just to serve the family. And if the Lord's laid upon your heart to serve, uh, come talk to us and uh, we'll help you to find the right spot for you to plug in and to be encouraged as you also. Uh, remember when I, uh, we talked about earlier that fastest way to grow 90% retention is when you are studying to give to somebody else. So even if you're leading a small group and you're studying to pour the word out or teaching in Sunday school or, or whatever you're doing, that's one of the fastest ways to grow in your faith. <clears throat> Ryan this morning, if you remember, is in Illinois, and he is preaching at the church there in Illinois, and they will vote this afternoon on whether or not to uh, offer him the position as their new senior pastor. So we'll know sometime today, and then we'll let you know as soon as we know. Uh, we'll send an email out uh, today or tomorrow. I don't know how fast he's going to get back with me on what's going on. So, but it is going well this morning that we have heard so far. So uh, we just bless them in this new uh, opportunity, possibly the new season for the rosters. We're thankful for the, all that the Lord's done. Also, something else new that's happened. I don't know if you saw it on Facebook. If you're friends with the Takavesis, they have arrived in Fiji. Uh, Felicia, would you mind pointing out Fiji on the map over there? It's that little island over there. <laughs> and the unique thing about this is, you know All Nations, which is an organization that was birthed out of Metro and has grown and is this beautiful organization preaching the gospel and planting churches around the world. Uh, they're based here in Kansas City and their international office is still here in Kansas City, isn't it right? Randy, right? Yep, okay. So they have an office now uh, they, in South Africa and they have an office in or a hub in Germany and they have a hub in Taiwan, and now they have a hub in Fiji, and pretty soon we're pray prayerfully, uh, we'll put it out there, Randy, you're going to have a hub in South, South America too. And then every, every continent will have a hub in it uh, focused on reaching that continent. So the Takavesis who were here, oh, it's been about a year ago, they just flew out there and they, they arrived and they had pictures of all their kids on the beaches and total change of life from living in Iowa. First they were in Nepal, cold, then in Iowa where she's from and now to Fiji, which is beach life. Send me, Lord, to the islands. 
So we're just blessed to be a part. We support them monthly and blessed to be a part of what the Lord is doing around the world uh, through the talk of Essies. I just wanted to give you that little update on that. So that's cool. Uh, if you don't know, because we don't say it every week, but we set aside 10% of all offerings, of all tithe, we set it aside, and we give that to our missionaries. So we have pretty much a set amount we give to our missionaries, and if it goes over, we'll add more in there or give to a special organization. If it's less than that amount, we add to it to make sure that our missionaries get what we've covered them. But it's generally, it works out to be about uh, 10 to 11% of our tithes and offerings go out immediately. We call that first fruiting. Uh, we want to give back to the Lord from what he's given us. Amen. Amen. So before I jump into the word this morning, I do have three halfway decent jokes for you. I was out of town all week, so I didn't have the time to do my in-depth research to find those jerks, uh, jerks, uh, jokes that are uh, specifically for you. That was an uh, unintended. <clears throat> anyway. I'm never going to donate to anyone collecting for a marathon again. Because all they do is take the money and run. <laughs> Did you hear about the guy who evaporated? He'll be missed. <laughs> Last but not least, my wife says I only have two faults. The first is I don't listen, and the other one was something. <laughs> oh, bless the Lord. See, they're, they're just okay this week, so... Amen. Why don't you turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 12. We're going to jump back into um, talking about the Sabbath and what Jesus intends for us now. It looks like we're going to be doing a baptism on July 17th. So if you have someone that, in your family that would like to be baptized, that is the date that we have tentatively set that we're pretty much concrete on. And if you'd like to also have someone baptized or be baptized on that date, if you would see me or get a hold of me, we're going to have a child dedication also on um, Father's Day. If you have a child that you'd like to get dedicated, if you'd get a hold of me and see me as well, we'll get you on the schedule. Bless you, Lord. Matthew chapter 12, now let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are alive and well. Thank you, Lord Jesus, if all we do is watch the news, sometimes we think that you're asleep or, or uh, none of your plans are happening because all we hear is the enemy and what he's conspiring to do. All we're hearing is the shush of the enemy. But Lord, we come to you and we say that we know that you are alive and well and that you are completing your will here on earth. Thank you, Lord, that your church is expanding and your kingdom is expanding, Father. Thank you, Lord, that souls are being reached, Lord, and that you are bringing your eternal peace into people's lives, Father. We thank you, Lord, that even though there are wars and rumors of wars, you are the Prince of Peace and you rule and reign, Lord Jesus. There is peace in our hearts. Father, we ask you to speak to us this morning. Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to us this morning. Speak to our hearts, Lord, each individually, the sermon that you have for us, so that we will see Jesus more. Liberate us this morning, Lord. Let the work of Luke 4.18 be in each of our hearts individually this morning. 
We thank you, Lord, for it. And we pray in the authoritative, power-filled name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen, guys. We're working on getting these two lights fixed. We just have to get the 20-foot ladder back in here. But we've got the lights. And as soon as that happens, you'll be able to see my face better. It'll be more shiny. I might go a little blind, not be able to see you. But we'll do, we will have those lights back up and going again. <clears throat> Bless you, Lord. Matthew chapter 12. At that time, it's kind of like a Kairos moment. I haven't looked at the word there in the Greek, but it is like a Kairos moment where God used and spoke into that moment to change the, the perceptive uh, perception of what the kingdom is about and to speak to us life-changing things. So at that time, it says, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and it was the Sabbath day. His disciples were hungry. I bet they were probably hungry all the time. And they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to Jesus, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. I can see the, the finger wagging. And Jesus said to them, Guys, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? And those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but it's only for the priest. Or haven't you read in the law how on the Sabbath, the priest in the temp temple actually profane the Sabbath, yet they're guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here, meaning himself. I'm greater than the temple. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, that's out of the prophet Hosea, you would not have condemned the guiltless. He's basically saying to them, you guys are out of your league. You're speaking about stuff that you have no real insight into. You know the letter of the law, but you miss the entire heart of it. And because you miss the heart, you miss God, because God is the heart behind the letter. And Jesus is saying to them, what you need to do is know the heart of the Father. Then you're not just pharisaical. You've got to get into that heart. And Jesus finishes this statement with the, the verse that just, I think, just rings like a, a beacon to us, a bell just chiming, like a tornado siren to get our attention. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Sabbath, of course, means rest. It means a setting aside of time to fellowship with God and let God be God. It's a, uh, an unfocusing from our own work to complete and to strive and to do all that we're trying to accomplish and to setting in and resting and let God be the one who does the work. That's what a Sabbath is. Under the law, it was one day a week that you set aside. It was Friday at sundown till Saturday at sundown. You set that time aside to seek the Lord and let God be God. We're called into a Sabbath rest, which is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Allowing God to be God. That's in Hebrews. The book of Hebrews, it called, talks about entering into that Sabbath rest. 
not just the one-day event, but a lifestyle event of coming in and knowing who God is, seeing his heart and trusting him and allowing him to be who he is and allowing him to do the work. Doing what he's called us to do, but at the same time resting in the fact that it's him who does it. We talked last week about this, and we talked about the struggle of coming into the Sabbath rest because of past pain. I think one of the, f- the first and main things that keep us from coming into the rest are past issues or experiences that have caused pain in our heart and that keep us from resting in Jesus and resting in what he, his promises that he has for us. So we talked to that, about that extensively last week. Today I want to talk about two more new things that kind of hinder us from walking in the uh, Sabbath rest that he has for us in your daily lives. So if you would turn with me to uh, the book of Psalms, chapter 23. Bless you, Lord. It was cool having that hymn and worship this morning. My grandpa's favorite. Your grandpa's favorite. Mm-hmm. And I liked the way it was sung. It was a little bit different than the traditional. And I liked that. Mm-hmm. Psalms 23. Psalms 23 is a pretty well-known psalm. Most of us can probably recite it from heart. And it's one that I traditionally read at graveside services. Uh, It's pretty well known and and usually um, have a lot to do with funerals. But there's a lot more to it than just the eternal rest because of that last verse. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And, And the comfort for those that are mourning of Jesus being the shepherd. But there's a lot more there about coming into the Sabbath rest that he has for us today. So let's begin to read here. The Lord is my shepherd. Shepherd means that he cares for you. Shepherd means that he sees you. He knows you. It tells us in the book of Proverbs that we're to know the condition of our flocks. And if we as shepherds, as pastors, as leaders, are supposed to know the condition of our flocks, how much more does Jesus know the condition of his flocks? Each and every lamb, you, ram, Jesus knows, sees, understands, knows it very deeply and intently. He knows you. The Lord is my shepherd, me independently and individually. He's my shepherd. Can you say that with confidence this morning? Or has the enemy shushed you enough that it is, you, there's doubt in your heart about whether or not the Lord is your shepherd? That usually speaks to an area of pain. If when you read this, it hits something in your heart, doubt rises up, discouragement rises up, questions rise up, This is an area of pain that I talked about last week. It's a good sign that there's an area that the Lord wants to speak to and begin to speak into that situation. Oftentimes it's just good to sit and go, okay, Lord, 
where were you when this took place? And ask the Lord and give him the chance to speak to you in that situation. To reveal to you that he is your shepherd. So he says here, I shall not want. This is David talking. I shall not want. I I am in a place of rest. It doesn't mean I don't work. It doesn't mean that there aren't tasks for me to do. It doesn't mean that he doesn't lead me and I have to get up and I have to walk somewhere and get by the water to stick my head down into it to be able to drink of the refreshing water. There's things that I have to do as a lamb, but I don't sit there and worry about and contemplate, where am I going to find water today? Oh no, is the shepherd going to take me to water today? What if he doesn't have enough grass? What if the grass is all dry? What am I going to do for that? And look at, look at my coat. Is he ever going to take care of this coat? And look, I got this, this sticker here and I got this sore on my back leg and it's just, a, it's a pain and I don't know what to do. The lamb doesn't do that. The lamb just looks at the shepherd and trusts talks to the shepherd, hey, I got this pain, lets him know. But he doesn't sit there and worry about it and strive over it. He rests. He rests in the goodness of the Father that the shepherd has good plans and good desires and a good heart toward him as one of his flock. This relationship with the shepherd is where we rest as believers. Because if there's a question here, This is something that is a wall between you and Jesus and will hold you back from growing in your relationship with him and coming into that, coming into the fullness of the goodness that Jesus has for you because you hit this wall. Well, I know this, Lord, but what is that issue? What is that area that the enemy keeps putting his finger in to say Jesus isn't good or Jesus isn't faithful or Jesus isn't the shepherd. That's where you have to go to the Lord with it. I shall not want, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. This isn't just provision, this is good provision. It isn't dry, musty, uh, crabgrass-filled pastures. This is the good The good grass that's good, nutritious, it's green, it brings life to you, it strengthens your bodies. The waters aren't white rapids that you have to somehow get out and you could easily fall in and get swept downstream and drowned. This this is the good still waters that are restful. You, You can get the whole connotation here of the Sabbath rest that he has for you, of coming into. Even in the midst of the storm, I am resting. Even when I don't understand what's going to happen tomorrow, I rest. Even with 8.5% inflation, I rest. Even with $5 gas, I rest. It's practical, guys. I went to the grocery store a couple weeks ago and got a, a dozen eggs and a gallon of milk and it spent $11. And I was like, "Woo, that hurt. So I don't know financially where we're going to be. Because I know that, you know, pract- practically, I'm, let me just talk from my place as my job. Not, no connotations. I'm just very practical. I know as things get tighter with you, giving gets harder. And as giving gets harder, uh, income goes down. 
And then we have to, you know, then it gets tighter here. And then, you know, it's just, it's just, it's, we're all in this together. It isn't like, you know, we're all on different planes. We're all in this together. So I can either worry about this and stress and strive and, I don't know, try to manipulate or try to, you know, all the different ways, put offering back baskets in every pew. You know, you know what I mean? Because this is the ways that I can do it in my job. You can do it in the same thing in your job where you are, where the Lord provides for you. You can, uh, uh, if you have a business, you can start calling up every customer again. Hey, you need anything today? Just checking to see if you need to place an order, you know. You know, I know I called you 10 minutes ago, but I just want to check and see. You know, you can strive no matter where you work, no matter where the, the Lord provides for you from. You can strive in that or you can rest in the Lord. There's a place of Sabbath rest that he has for us where the provision is sufficient and it's good. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. There is the promise for those who are experiencing pain. He restores your soul. The pain you experience today is not the long-term identity he has for you. It's not the long-term place he has for you. Life happens in the world. You have tribulation. We're not able to control all that happens around us. And thank God, actually, you can't. But we, what we can know is that when we walk through these areas and experience pain, His promise to us is that He will restore our souls and lead us in paths of righteousness for His name's sake, meaning that it's based on His faithfulness, not our own. That He'll continue to lead even when we're like my dog sometimes we're, and it's raining and I'm, okay, you got to go for a walk and everything within her power, all of her weight is shifted to her hind legs and she's, you know, and I'm like uh, stretching her neck on the leash type, type torture, you know. Even when we're like that to the Lord where He's dragging us down the block, even when we're like that, He is still faithful to lead us into righteousness to get us free. Even when we're kicking and screaming, no, just leave me here in Egypt. I'm much happier here. No, you're not. I know I'm not, but at least I'm not in the, facing the pain that you want me to face. So he is very good. He's a great shepherd. He knows what we can take. For his name's sake, he leads us and brings us into the good things that he has for us even if it causes us to deal with the pain. And I talked a lot about that last week. So beginning with verse 4 is what I really want to speak about this week. It says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. One of the, the next things besides pain, one of the things that hinders us from coming into uh, uh, the Sabbath rest is fear. Fear's the next biggie. We're no longer cringing, but this is just something that's ahead of us and we don't know, so we're fearful about it. And to me, there were two types of fears. There was the fear of the unknown, because we've never been down that road before, and we're afraid. 
afraid of failure, afraid of whatever, but we see that out there and we're afraid to move forward. We've never been down this path before. And the other one was, I think when we look at our own failure, we have our eyes on our own failings and we're just afraid that we're just going to screw it up again and it's not going to happen. So let me talk about those two areas. Because remember, Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath and he's leading us into the freedom of his Sabbath. The freedom of uh, the guilt of sin not not holding us back. Uh, uh, Full sudzo salvation, body, soul, and spirit. We're walking in the liberty of Jesus in the Sabbath. We're resting in him and experiencing all he has for us and walking into every Kairos moment he has. And so he asks us to deal with these issues that hinder us from walking in it. One being pain, next being fear. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 5, this is one of the many places in Scripture where he says, Fear not, for I am with you. And it's there multiple times, and I've decided I'm going to do a study and try to go through and mark down every single place it is in Scripture, because I know it's, it's got to be tons, where he says, fear not. But he just doesn't leave it at that. He's like, come on, dude, fear not. But he says, fear not for, because I'm with you, and I'm the good shepherd. And because I'm with you, you don't need to fear about it. Yeah. I got this, is basically what he's saying. Trust me, I got this. And sometimes we don't trust because of pain, but also sometimes we don't trust because of fear. The fear of the unknown. When we're walking into new things and the Lord brings us into new things, it can be fearful because everything that's new is new. (laughs) Super basic. We haven't experienced it before. And I thought about some of these things. It just made up a small list. Uh, Marriage. When you're beginning a marriage, it can be terrifying because you've never been married before. You don't know what this is really going to be like. You don't know if you're going to, you know, cause lots of problems or this is going to be all joy-filled honeymoon for the next 50 years or Rocky Mountain warfare, you know. You, You don't know what it's going to be as you get into it. And so it's brand new and it can cause fear. I thought about as you're heading up to having your first child. You know, by the third child, you're like, oh, they're fine. You know, but that first child, I can remember conversations when when we were pregnant with Olivia and just going, I I don't know. I mean, it was like your first pregnancy, your first uh, delivery and just the fear of, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this or how it's going to happen and just normal stuff. And why? Because it's new. You've never done it before. You know, Ryan today, they're going to vote yes, and he's going to be all excited, and then about three days from now, it's going to hit him. Oh, dear God, what have I done? Because it's a new thing that you've never done before. A new job. A new school. A new adventure. A new level of leadership. I got a promotion, praise God. Yes, more money, 
Oh no, you know. (laughs) What if they find out I'm not able to do what they've asked me and hired me and promoted me to do? That fear of the unknown can hit us. Every new level of leadership or influence can cause this fear because it's unknown. But we can't get anywhere or do anything or love more people if we're not willing to take those risks and face that fear and hold on to Jesus and rest and step into it. And so we see here, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I'm walking through something that's scaring me, even though I'm walking through something I'm not comfortable with, I don't know what's ahead of me, I don't know what's in the shadows, I don't know the path, I don't know the direction, I'm not walking with confidence, even though I'm doing that, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. And this is the promise that he gives throughout Scripture in all of their lives, and all of the different ways that he leads people into new things, he says, fear not, for I am with you. So, simple question for you today would be, what is the Lord leading, to you, leading you into right now that is scary? And that you're not resting in, that's stealing your Sabbath rest, and you just need to be assured the Lord is the Lord of the Sabbath. And if he is leading you into it, then he will provide. Even if it looks like the valley of the shadow of death. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, those are two different instruments. My understanding is the rod is a good little tapper. You know, when, you, when we get going in the wrong direction, he... And the staff is more of a a directing, prodding. I don't know if it's the same thing, and one end is the hook, and that's the staff, and the other end is the rod that he turns around and book. But regardless, he is faithful enough to lead you into the fullness of who you are in Christ Jesus and to deal with your bad attitudes or to deal with your this or to deal with the that and to love you and bring you into the liberty of the wholeness of walking in Christ. The wholeness of walking in his love. The fullness of his love. He has such deep love for each and every one of you individually. I know he sees us as his church and he sees us as a group. And sometimes we lose sight of of the individual in the midst of, we uh, don't see the trees because we're looking at the forest. God isn't like that. He is able to look down and see each individually, know everything about you, know all his plans that he has for you individually, and speak and guide and direct and lead individually in all of those areas. You're all very precious individually to him. He is individually your shepherd. We don't do the group think. Bless you, Lord. They comfort me. He is the God of all comfort. He just doesn't shame you and say, dude, get over it. Get over the fear. Deal with it. He comforts. 
He says and repeats over and over and over again as much time as we need it. I got this. Trust me. I got this. I got this. I got you. I got this. I got you. I got you. Fear not. I got you. If he said it this many times in scripture, that it's a normal thing for him have to say it to us multiple times of fear not. Hey, I'm with you. It's not like he said it once and we just had to get it. He says it all the time. Dude, fear not. You having problems with your marriage? Fear not. I'm going to help you walk through this. You having problems on your job? Fear not. I'm going to be with you. Whatever the area is, fear not. I'm taking you into new things. I'm going to grow you and stretch you, and it's going to be good. I got this. If we keep reading here, David writes, uh, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I think another source of fear is our enemies, which most often are ourselves and our past failures that really keep us from entering into that Sabbath rest. And by Sabbath rest, you know, again, it's uh, with your finances, it's I'm going to have enough and the Lord is my provider. With my marriage is that we're going to work this out and the Lord is going to be the center of our marriage and we're going to keep going. With it's the kids, it's we're going to get through this season of raising the kids during this season and we're going to figure it out because the Lord's going to give us the wisdom of what to say and how to lead them. You know, it's every situation, it is coming into the Sabbath of trust in the Lord, that he is Lord of this season that I'm in and that he has everything that I need for this season. It's shifting away from me trying to figure it out or my failure or what I've done or what I've screwed up or the mistakes I've made in the past or all of that, getting my eyes off of that. I'm having a table set in the presence of my enemies. Everybody's sitting around shushing me the devil reminding me of everything that I've done and every time that I've tried this and screwed up in the past, all of my failure is sitting there in front of me and the Lord is preparing a table before me. He is saying, I am able to meet your needs and provide for you and care for you and give you what you need in this season and take care of you, even though all around you is all this accusation and all the, all, all, some of it true, some of it not, doesn't make a difference. It's all right there. It's all your enemies of who I say you are. What they may be saying is true about you, of who you are now, but it's not true of who I say you are. And are we going to eat the food that the Lord prepares and places before us? Or are we going to push that aside and dig into that thing that the enemy laid before us? Failure, hopelessness, insecurities, fear, lack, shame, guilt. I'm going to eat the Lord's meal. I'm having the death by chocolate piece of cake. That's what I'm going to have. I'm going to trust what the Lord says in the moment. You know, when David, I don't know if you, when David writes this stuff, he doesn't write this from a place of, of lofty, I never went through anything difficult, and I'm just telling you how you all need to live because you guys haven't figured it out yet. This, David writes this stuff from the rawness of what he's walked through. Do you remember when he was uh, 
they were living in Zig, I think it's Ziklac or Zigzag or there you go. And uh, he goes off with his men to fight a battle and he comes back and his, the town had been raided and all their wives and children and all their stuff are all gone and it, it looks presumably like it's too late and it's all the disaster. And all of David's men are ticked off and tired and they're all like, let's string him up. And David's super discouraged, but what does he do? He goes to the Lord and says, and he begins to worship the Lord. Lord, I choose to eat from your food that you set before me. You anointed me as king, even though I don't see it and I'm out here and everything it looks like has been destroyed. I choose to worship you and to rest in you, knowing that all things work together for the good of those who love you. That you're going to turn this into a a victory of some sort, Lord, I don't know how. I'm going to trust that you see me where I am in the midst of this and that you're going to walk it out, Lord. That you see my family, you see my wives and my children, you see them, Lord, and you're taking... He begins to do this, and he begins to encourage himself in the Lord, and the Lord speaks to him. He's able to hear the victory because he put himself in a position where he could hear from the Lord. He stopped listening to what the enemy said around the table, and he began to listen to what the Lord said around the table. Because the Lord prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. That's basically saying that you're going to be around your enemies all the time, but God, who is big enough, is bold enough to come right into the situation, right into the boardroom, and sit down and put a place of the table right there. And say, okay, are you going to listen to the rest of the board, or are you going to listen to me, says the Lord? Are you going to listen to all those books you read, or are you going to listen to me, what I'm saying? Are you going to listen to all your friends who've advised you about your marriage? Or are you going to listen to me, says the Lord? Are you going to listen to that whole group of doctors? Or are you going to listen to me? Are you going to listen to all the lawyers? Or are you going to listen to me? I'm going to prepare a table because I'm big enough and bad enough to show that my power is sufficient and I'm going to walk into the situation and I'm going to put a place down in the middle of your enemies and go, wham, mic drop. I do if it didn't make a lot of noise. He prepared a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. And not just that, he anoints my head with oil and my cup runs over. It's like God going, oh yeah, watch this. Look at the blessing I'm going to pour out. I'm going to just take every word that all of you said, and I'm going to show you ain't got no power. Because my son trusts me. And I'm bigger than all of you. And you know that. You know, your enemies only have power because you listen to them. The shh. The shh only has power over you because you listen to it. And God's saying... They don't have authority to shush you. Only I can shush you. So ignore the shushing and do what you're supposed to be doing. He prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the promise of the Lord that you will be able to rest in the Sabbath rest. 
greater and greater intensity today all the way up to when you step out of your earthly body and you come fully into the eternal living in the Sabbath rest. It's available to us. I think I want to cover this verse, but I want to look at it. General Electric Power Company. Yeah. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And I am uh, sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ meaning that he'll continue to work all the way up into the time it's poof, completed. And he's faithful to do it. So I rest in his supremacy. I rest in his godhood. I rest in his faithfulness. I rest in his identity. I Sabbath rest in him. So let me give you three quick things to overcome fear and not let fear keep you from walking in the fullness of the Sabbath. First one is to acknowledge the shepherd. You got to acknowledge the shepherd. You got to know who he is. You've got to have a relationship with him. It comes from, first and foremost, this is not my life. This is not a thing that I'm building. It is, Jesus, you are the one in control. I give my life to you. You're my Lord. And we got to do it in all of these areas. So if you've got an area where there's fear, you've got an area where there is condemnation, you've got an area where there is guilt or pain, it is welcoming the shepherd into that area. Jesus, I turn this area over to you. I give this area to you. I acknowledge that you are the good shepherd and I am not Lord of this area, I give it to you. Matthew 5.3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. And they're blessed because they realized they're poor and they need the covering. They're not prideful. They're, they're willing to, to give themselves over to the Lord. So that's very basic, but if you don't do that one, the other ones don't work. Okay? That's the first one is inviting Jesus into it. The second one is very simple as well. Ask for help. I mean, it seems so simple, but it's like, it's like um, monumental in reality. Asking for help means I'm no longer just working to fix it myself. I'm inviting the Lord into the problem. I can't say, Jesus, you're the shepherd and continue to do everything my way. I did it my way. Good old Frank. You can't do that. It is, I did it his way. I asked him. I asked for help. How do I do this, Lord? Matthew 7, 7. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and the door will be open. 
very basic, but so true in every situation. You have problems with your finances? Have you asked the Lord's help on it? And are you doing what he's asked you to do? Do you have problems in your marriage? Have you presented and given your marriage to the Lord? Do you have an area of a painful past that you have struggled to deal with? Have you given that and asked for his help in that? James 1.5 also in that one says that if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. And God, who is no respecter of person, will give you wisdom. Now, we live in a microwave society, drive through instantaneous, it's been three minutes, I should have my coffee by now, society. Get your instant refunds from the IRS, instant messaging. With God, a lot of times, it's a slower process of building character and walking you out. And it's good to journal because you can look back two years later and realize, wow, the Lord has walked me out of this. I'm not who I was two years ago. He's not your fairy godmother or your fairy godfather. He doesn't come in and whoop, there you go. Cinderella, you now have no post-traumatic issues that you're going to carry into this marriage with Prince Charming. Because I've given you a dress. You know? Prince Charming, you're going to have no father-pleasing issues that you're going to bring into this marriage. Whoop, because I brought you Cinderella. I mean, in reality, we're human. And we ask for his help, and we walk it out, step by step, keeping our eyes on Jesus over time. And then we look back, and we can go, he truly has turned my stumbling block into a stepping stone. And then we declare it. The third and final thing, I think, so we acknowledge the shepherd, we ask for help, and then we choose to receive, which is kind of funny, but it actually deals with our own pride because we can uh, be in all the right place, but then when he asks us to deal with it and brings the answer, sometimes we're like, that's too easy, or then I'll have to admit I was wrong, or then I'll have to forgive them, or then I'll have to whatever, and we don't choose to receive. And so we need to choose to receive what the Lord gives us so that we can rest. Choose to receive the rest also means letting go. James 1.5, of course, which we quoted earlier, says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. Verse six, but let him who ask with no doubting, I'm sorry, but let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like the wave of a sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. So don't include the doubt in there. You've got to walk that out We've got to receive it. If the Lord loves you, truly sees you, and you've got to learn to walk in that rest. I think I've told you tons of stories about when I, I learned to rest in finances with the Lord's provision so that when I did lose my job in 2008, it wasn't a life uh, disaster for me. It was, uh, okay, God, how are we going to do this? It was a conversation that I walked out. But in the very beginning, it was an every day, every hour Dear God, you know, back and forth, wave, toss, to and fro, as I learned to trust and rest in him. 
when I learned about rejection and to get rejection off of me and to change that course, that rejection, that enemy that I believed that I was rejected, not loved, not needed. To get that off of me, it was about a year of confronting every time that came in and dealing with it. And sometimes I would follow it for a little while and then I'd go, oh, dang, no, I choose not to. This is what the Lord says. And walking out of it. But I chose to receive and to make the necessary changes in my life to walk into it. For example, you're leading something and you want help. And you say, I need somebody to help me. And so someone says, okay, I'll help you. Okay, you do this and you delegate something to them. And then they start to do it and you jump in and help them do it. Or you jump in and take over what they're doing. Or you do it before they arrive because you want it done a certain way and they do it a different way then you're not receiving the help. <laughs> you're not receiving the help. And we all do this in, all, in a bunch of different areas, you know. You have to be able to let go, the old saying, let go, let God. There's practicality in it. You've got to be willing to let go and step out in these areas and trust the Lord you can't have it, okay, God, see these black marks on the floor? This is my safe space, and this is where I'm going to be, and I'm not moving from this spot, but you're going to bring me victory, and all that I need, thank you, and amen. It doesn't work that way. If the Lord has called you to preach to the nations, you're going to have to at some point give your first sermon. And you're probably not going to do that great. You'll probably talk way too fast. And you'll do a 30-minute sermon in five minutes. Or people will be going, I have no idea what he said, but he looked passionate. <laughs> you know, it takes time to build these things and to learn to walk in what the Lord has for you. To learn to let go and trust the Lord. That's called receiving. Receiving help. Receiving provision. Receiving counsel. All the things that hinder us, not hinder us, all the things that help us break through. The Lord is good for you. He is a good shepherd, and he wants to lead you beside still waters and restore your soul. He wants to make this beautiful meal in the midst of all your enemies just to show them up. He wants to lead you in paths of righteousness all the way to the end of your life and teach you how to rest in his Sabbath. That's Jesus' desire for you individually today. So don't let the enemy lie to you. If you're hearing a shushing right now, you tell it, you shut up in the name of Jesus. I'm going to listen to what the Lord says. I'm going to trust that this word is for me. You're not going to dictate who I am, my future, my past. You don't dictate. I listen to Jesus. And he says all the promises are yes and amen. If you only knew how much I want to say but don't say... I was with, uh, Dave, that's from Anne of Green Gables, 
or Anne of Avonlea, one of the two. <clears throat> and my middle daughter, Maddie, she said that. We were down there in Alabama. And she, uh, she says, I just want to tell you, if you only knew what I want to say but don't say. <laughs> I love her. Uh, she's full of life. Jesus has life for you today. Don't settle. Don't settle on the pain. Don't settle on the fear. Allow him to lead you as the good shepherd. Trust him. Come to rest in him. I don't care what your bank account says, what, you know, what relationship statuses are right now. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Whose report will you believe? I will believe the report of the Lord. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're faithful. Thank you, Jesus. You're good. Thank you, Jesus, that you are sufficient. Thank you, Jesus, that you're ever-present. Thank you, Jesus, that you have given us the grace. Thank you, Jesus, that you are our healer. Thank you, Jesus, that you're a good provider. Thank you, Lord, for your word spoken to our hearts. Thank you, Jesus, for the death on the cross that settled it. Thank you, Jesus, for the power of your blood. Wiped it all clean. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving us the Holy Spirit and the joy with it. Thank you, Jesus, for guiding us that you never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. So, so good. Lord, we choose to rest today. We choose to rest today and to learn to rest more and more and more, to come into the fullness of that Sabbath rest. Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to us. Thank you, Father, for it. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you. Great to see you. Uh, you've got about 15 minutes. I don't know. The kids will be coming up soon, but if you wanted to hang around and talk, we, we're about 15 minutes early, so be sure to fellowship and get to know one another a little bit.